Sarek Volka, do you vote to admit Corridon to the Federation? The vote will not be taken here, Ambassador Goff. My government's instructions will be heard in the council chambers on Babel. No, you! How do you vote, Sarek Volkan? Why must you know, Senarit? In council, his vote carries others. I will know where he stands and why. Tellarites do not argue for reasons. They simply argue. No! Well, happy Purim to each and every one of you. You celebrate the Feast of Esther, the miraculous salvation of our people, the time of Artaxerxes. It influences what I talk about today, but it's not, again, I don't want to turn this into a religious podcast. I really don't because I don't think you really want to hear that. So if you want to, there are others who do a much better job of it than I will. So we'll just leave it at that. That said, however, there are some things I want to talk about that are conceptual to that. When we talk about this little journey we're going to take to Babel, the title comes from a Star Trek episode, the 39th best overall Star Trek episode it's rated of all of them. And of the original series, it's listed as the fifth best. I don't know that I would put it as the fifth best, but it is a pretty good episode. And it it deals with a lot of the backstory of Spock and the likes of that, but there are some other things going on that intrigue me. We're, we're dealing with a conference where people of different political backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, different philosophical backgrounds are coming together to make a decision. And it's clearly a decision that's going to cause a great deal of disagreement. And so when you're looking at these people doing this, you have to consider some things about this. Um, They have different perspective on things, as we do. Uh, People ask me all the time about some of the perspectives uh, that are affected politically by well, religious perspectives, I guess. Uh, In Judaism, we call uh, one of our concepts as tikat ha'alom, the repairing of the world. And this is a concern to Jewish people who look at what's happening and ask themselves a question when it comes to politics or relationships or anything like that. How does this help repair the world? How does this help that concept of tikat ha'alom? It may seem out of character with us with other things that you know we think, do, feel, whatever, but ultimately we're guided by that idea that it's our task in the world to repair the world. And so sometimes the two come into conflict and it gives us a different perspective than you might have or I might have or whatever. There are different concerns. People have different concerns. Uh, John Hawkins, who is one of the leading conservatives in California posted a a chart yesterday on on Facebook that he was in, intrigued by, and the chart has to deal with what people are concerned with. Now, I have some problems with the chart because the chart does not give me the post that he gave me. It doesn't give me a source of this chart, so I don't know where it comes from. But presuming it's accurate, because John's pretty good about that, it deals with 
GOP concerns and Democrat concerns. And the top three concerns of Republicans are illegal immigration, lack of support for the police, and high taxes. While in this same poll, the top concerns of Democrats are Donald Trump supporters, Nash, white nationalism, and systemic racism, with number four is gun violence thrown in there just for, uh, just for good measure. On the Republican side, number four is liberal bias in the media. He asks the question, how can two different groups of people that are this disparate in how they're looking at the same things ever hope to come together on anything? How can we ever hope to, to be united when, we're, when our concerns are two different things, when our concerns are so disparate? We might have a different perspective of things, but we might have different concerns, and we might have different thinking. Uh, after the show yesterday about ju justice, got a nice email from Steve, who kind of went through his, his concepts of, of how people think, their, their language, I guess, in a way. He, he says he asks himself two questions about a person, how, what do you think and how do you think? And he categorizes people, and we've heard this a, a lot in conservative discussions about there are people whose beliefs are predominantly based in emotional decision-making and people who, who are predominantly analytically making decisions. The common concept is that the latter are conservative and the former are liberals, and that conservatives and liberals think differently. It may be the case. I don't know of any peer-researched studies that have determined that. I know there's a lot of anecdotal polling. I know there's a lot of articles. I know it's a common discussion point for conservative talk radio hosts because we've all, we've all been there. We've all done it. And it's, it's one of those red meat subjects when you say it, listeners, callers go, dee -dee 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 -dee. <laughs> hi, Dave, I agree with you. Dittos, whatever. You're a great American. Because they, conservatives love to hear that. They love to hear that liberals are all in motion and we are all analytic and logic. But, you know, Spock was half human too. And sometimes emotion plays a much, as much a role in what we decide as, as it does, as logic does sometimes in what liberals decide. These Differences in us don't necessarily imply different goals. Now, they might, but the differences themselves do not imply in and of themselves that we have different goals. If I were to go next door to one of my neighbors who's quite liberal, do you think that they have any different goals for their children than I do for mine? Of course not. Do you think that they would like to make more money? Of course they would. So would I. We have similar goals. We, we have different thinking about how to get there, different languages as to how to express it, and different perspectives on what it all means. It's, well, we've had these conversations before. 
just because we're speaking the same language doesn't necessarily mean that we're hearing or saying the same exact things. For years, I've talked about, you know, people, it's, it's probably the number two question I get asked as a conservative chat show host. Why don't fill in the blank ethnic group vote Republican? We think the same things they do. We like the same things they do. Usually, in my case, it's why don't Jews vote Republican? But oftentimes, it's why don't African Americans vote Republican? And, I, and I've told you before that the reason is because what you're saying is not what those groups are hearing. And when we don't understand the difference, what did we think was going to happen? I mean, in the broad spectrum of things, when you talk to people about, you know, essentially undoing certain protections that have, have been in place to battle certain things, racism in particular, and Republicans start talking about wanting to do with that, we start using the term states' rights. If you're an African American, you're going to hear that differently than if you are a white American. States' rights, especially a conservative white American, means something different. Even though it's the same words, and we think we're saying something that people should like. Well, you should like this. Again, different concerns, different languages, different perspectives. It's not always a bad thing to have different concerns, languages, and perspectives. Today, as I said, is Purim. It is a celebration, for those of you maybe not familiar with it, it's the celebration of the Feast of Esther. Esther, of course, the queen under Artaxerxes, who saved the Jewish people from Haman and his evil plan to eradicate all the Jews in the world on a certain day at a certain time. And it's a joyous occasion. It's a very joyous holiday. In fact, it's a drinking holiday. It's... I call it the Jewish Cinco de Mayo. It's a day where we just, we have a rabbinical law that requires us to get drunk on Purim. We have to, in fact, be so drunk that we cannot clearly say, blessed be Mordechai, cursed be Haman. If we can say that clearly, we are not drunk enough. As you can tell, I'm not drunk enough. It's a day where we eat cookies and we we drink and we we, we remind ourselves of this joyous occasion. But if you go into the Talmud and if, if you go into the history of things, you'll discover that there's different perspectives about this. Mordechai, who was the leader of the Jewish community in Shushan at that time, did not want the story recounted. In fact, we find that it's Esther herself who goes to the scribes and says, write down my story because they have different perspectives, different concerns, and different languages about what happened under the, the curse, the, the, the threat of destruction from Haman. And both are right. It, it, and I don't, again, I don't, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here on the, the exegesis of the book of Esther. If you want it, you can, believe me, you can find it yourself. But they had the same goal. They simply had different methodologies of doing so. Esther's was more diplomatic, Mordechai's was more spiritual. And ultimately, they both achieved their goals. And then in, in, in the follow-up, they had to do things as well. Mordechai wanted it to be a joyous 
Shabbat. He wanted it to be a Sabbath where there was no work done, much like Yom Kippur, a rededication of ourselves to, to the covenant. Whereas Esther wanted us to remember that it took a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of danger, and we shouldn't just forget that. We shouldn't just wash that over. And while we're celebrating, we need to remember that there were important things happening here. Different concerns, different languages, different perspectives, same goal. Now again, does that mean that everyone has the same goal? No, that's not what I'm saying. Please don't misinterpret because again, just like on Star Trek, you got your Tellarites, you got your Vulcans, you got your humans, you got your Andorians, and you got your Orions who are pretending to be Andorians to try to muck up the whole works. You got... You got people who wanted to, to disrupt to disrupt things and create problems. They did not. They had their own goals, which was not the same as everyone else's. They were not interested in the betterment of the people. They were not interested in the betterment of the federation. And you have to be cautious of those people. You got to be cautious of those Hamans in the world. You you really do. But you also have to understand that not everybody is Haman. Not everybody is an Orion dressed as an Andorian. Not everybody who disagrees with your concerns, your language, your perspective, has a different idea of where we want to end up. I think that gives us something of an opening here. I, I, I know that there's a lot of frustration in the world right now. I know there's a lot of polarization. I know that we're, we're seeing things differently. I know that it's a dangerous time. But have we become so polarized that we absolutely cannot, in any way, shape, or form, see things the same as our our compatriots, our, our brothers, our sisters, our, our neighbors. Just because they disagree with us about the way we express it, what we're concerned about, how we're, how we're looking at it, does that necessarily mean that we can't, in any way, shape, or form, communicate with them? And if we do look at it that way, what, what have we become? Are we really repairing the world, so to speak? Are we really improving the nation? Are we really doing the things that we need to do to become better ourselves? Or, in the words of Ambassador Sarak, are we just arguing so that we can argue? <laughs>